Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> and edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hello. <laughs> are you there? Hi. Welcome to Do Go On. My name is Dave. Warnicky and I am here with Matt and Jess Perkins and Stewart. Oh, mixing the other way around it, though. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. Matt Perkins, not Jess Stewart. That was that's actually hard for me to say the wrong way. Do you think if if people had a guest so far who out of the three of us who'd had some beers, <laughs> probably recommend guess. Who are guessing me? Yeah. yeah, I have. Oh, let me explain. Uh, I have not had any beers. I but I have moved house today. I'm very very tired and. What happens when I get really tired before I crash is I get very hyperactive to compensate. And that is what I'm experiencing right now. So who knows if that's going to keep going or if I will crash and burn in 10 minutes. It's good. It's somebody else's turn to be the hyperactive child on this show. And now I'm going to be the cool, you know, calm and collected one. We were having a good old sing song before to Fleetwood Mac. All right. All right. Not Fleetwood Mac. Oh. Was I think that's E17. E17. Sorry, I get those two confused. A couple of classic bands. <laughs> yeah, classic bands. That's a good point. Hmm. That's both, a good point. Both, you Should know, we... lasting long after they... Well, Fleetwood Mac are still going. 
long before and after E17 ever existed. Did we explain what this podcast is? At this point, if you don't know, it's episode number 40. Woo! Happy 40th, everyone. Um, there could be brand new listeners. We look great for 40. Hello, brand new listeners. We look pretty great. We have got we like Fleetwood Mac and E17. <laughs> so we're hip. Um, one of us drinks, one of us moves house, and Jess is great. So... Uh, the full spectrum. The full spectrum. <laughs> we, we tick all the boxes. Uh, this is the show where we do a re- uh, one of us takes it. Well, we take it in turns each week to uh, do a report or write a report on a topic and report back to the class. Matt's got his hand raised. Yes, Matt. Where one of us takes it in turns. <laughs> <laughs> That's confusing. How does that? Oh, no. All right. So we're going to take it in turns. <laughs> New format. We all take it in turns. One of it. <laughs> All right, this is going to be... I'm pretty hyperactive, so... uh, We broke his brain. Anyway, it's my turn to do the report. That's what I'm trying to get to. And Um, these are our favourites, aren't they, Matt? Yes. High five there. So they, Jess and Matt, don't know what I'm about to talk about. We never do. But we do know that it'll be around 4,000 words worth. Yeah. And I tried to cut a little bit shorter this week. What are we, 3-6? 3-3-5. Wow. Wow. Took a bloody... There will be a time for a few Q&As at the end. I'm so proud of you, though. Thank you. Yeah, it's really great. Thank you so much. That's great. Okay, so we start with a question. Let's get stuck in. I've got the question. And the question is, we'll get to the topic, but first of all, question. Mm -hmm. Who do people tell you you most look like? Who do people... And it could be a famous person or it could just be... Steve Buscemi. For you. You're pointing pointing at me. I get told to look like a a few people. Steve Buscemi, Tilda Swinton, you know. Wait, so this topic's about someone who I look like? No, no, it it, it will be about... No, well, I don't want to give away the topic first. I just want to go around the table. Interesting. So, Matt, do do people ever say, hey, you look like my friend or, hey, you look like that guy? The two main ones that I've gotten over my life, the first one is um, only going to be... Uh, make any sense to Australian listeners, and probably not necessarily all of them, but I get told sometimes I look like a young Captain Snooze, which uh-huh. is Rod Quantock, an Australian comedy legend. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. Yeah, like a, a younger version, because he's a, he's a in veteran. His 60s, yeah. He's like, he's like the longest-running <laughs> Australian comedian, pretty much. Yeah, he's a, like an absolute pioneer. And the other one is uh, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Oh, that's pretty good, too. Oh, I was really happy you meant Shaggy, the uh, yeah. half-Jamaican rapper. Uh, Mr. Bombastic. <laughs> Mr. Rovalova. Shaggy! Remember he used shug to it. just yell, Shaggy! And then shug he gets other people to sing the chorus and still take all the credit. Shaggy! Shaggy! It wasn't me. <laughs> he just recorded that once and then just copy and pasted it in. Smart man. Smart yeah, no, man. I don't look at all like him. Um, but you look, So Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, I can totally see that. Yeah, it's weird to be told you look like a cartoon character, but mm. fair enough. Mm. How about you, a- JP? Both a furniture mascot and a cartoon, cartoon. character. Living so, the dream. Yeah, very sweet. I've been told a, a couple of female comedians that I look like. Orig- I used to get told I look like Corinne Grant. Again, an Australian oh, reference. Yes. Australian comedian. Yeah, and I, well, I don't know, people... I always say I'm like Celia Pacola, but I think that's mannerisms rather than looks. But I don't really, I don't think I look like now, anybody. The if you could perfect both the looks and the mannerisms, then you would be well up for the topic that we are talking about today. Okay. Oh, some sort of a is this about the lyre bird? Australian native bird who can mimic, mimic. any 
sound. Sound, but... And look. And look. <laughs> as long as the look is... That of a lie bird. That of the lie bird, because they nail that. if the lie bird is half chameleon also. Oh, is it half chameleon lie bird? Is that what the that topic is? That is not the topic, but so close. Okay. I'm so, the one who had beers today. <laughs> yes. Yes, Maddie. I just have a cold coming on, so I'm actually feeling quite mellow, <laughs> which is rare. Now, nah, look, we're all having a good time, so um, either deal with it <laughs> or fuck off. <laughs> oh. Okay, so, okay, so we've got Corinne, you've... we've got Shaggy, we've got Steve Bashimi myself. You've officially intrigued me. Some people take that to a whole new level and they are professional <gasps> at looking like other people. Like Is professional this... impersonators? Well, well, obviously there's people like... Um, or body doubles? do it for money, like on the Hollywood strip, people that dress up like mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe mm-hmm. to get your photo with. Is but this the blue character from X-Men? Which one? Beast? No, the other blue character. <laughs> the Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, Jennifer. Yeah. She does, she's a shapeshifter, right? She's called... Misty? Mr. Mimic. Mr. Mimic. <laughs> Mr. Mimic. It throws them Mystique off every time. Mystique for sure. Yeah, Mystique <laughs> was right. I'd really committed to getting it wrong. Yes. It sounds like you made a, a mystique over there. I made a big mystique. Thank you. That was a high five from Jess. I'm dishing out the high five. No, no, that was hey, that was worth a high five. Oh, it totally was. Okay, um. but obviously some people do do this for, for money, but mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious that it's not Marilyn Monroe. But I'm talking about people that pretend to be world leaders. What? It might be uh, when the famous person they're impersonating is sick, or they also they're not easily followed, or worse, assassinated. Have you seen the movie Dave? I don't, I've never seen the movie Dave, which is ridiculous because your name is Dave. I know. And is that about it. an impersonator of the American president? Yes. Played by the guy with the mustache? He, um, no. Oh, yeah, no, he Shug does. Have, I think he does have a mustache. No, he doesn't have a mustache. Maybe he does. But, no, he he, but the guy had a mustache at one point? I think you're combining <laughs> Dave Kev, and Kevin Fierce Klein? Creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a mustache in Fierce Kevin Creatures. Kevin Klein? Kevin Klein. Yes. Mustache. Sigourney Weaver. Mustache. <laughs> So it's not Kevin Klein, though. It's Kevin Klein. It is. Who has had a mustache? No, he, I think you're, the character <laughs> does not have a mustache in Dave. All right, but in, in life he has had a mustache. Uh, uh, for Deny me that. Deny that. <laughs> can you? Just, I, would can never, you just? I would never. All you're on I trial. was saying was that Dave had a mustache yeah. when he was a different person. Okay. Thank you. Jess, Jeez. is it really that confusing? <laughs> Corinne? What is going on? I don't know. I don't know what the topic every, is. Yet. Every, we haven't got week. to the topic yet. We haven't got to the goddamn topic. Okay. Every week feels like it's our loosest episode yet. <laughs> 40. <laughs> Shaggy. <laughs> um, so, so people that look like world leaders, like mm-hmm. I say, if the world leader is sick or they want to try and um, be a, a decoy so they're not followed or so they're not assassinated, people that have allegedly, allegedly had doubles because they're pretty secretive about it. Mm. Uh, Osama bin Laden mm-hmm. apparently had many doubles. Uh, Stalin, sure. Hitler, uh huh. Fidel Castro. Sorry, which Hitler were we talking about? There's so many. There's so many. Yeah, this is a joke. Like, Gary, Gary Hitler. This is a joke because you're just saying like, just their surnames. surnames, but like, it could be. Could it be anyone? Could have been Jimmy Hitler. <laughs> Little Jimmy Hitler. Somebody... Remember that guy? He was a it was a big uh, it was a big song and dance man. Little Jimmy Hitler. <laughs> Welcome to the stage. And he'd come out and go, Hey, you tapa tapa. Hey, I'm a little Jimmy Hitler. Boo, 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 boo. 
Here we go. <laughs> and the lights would drop down. <laughs> he was the first break dancer. It was Little really, Jimmy Hitler. Wasn't it amazing how his career suddenly went down after 1939? No. Yeah, especially because he started in the 60s. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that means. You're great at improv. Yes, Thank and. <laughs> Shit all over his suggestion. Oh, I did too. You bastard. So, hey, give, give it to me again. No, fuck you. No, fuck no, Dave, you. give it to me again. You don't deserve it. Cup that, Jimmy Hitler. <laughs> Um, yeah, he did. His career went downhill then. See? There we go. Yes, and he did. <laughs> now, so I want to talk about body oh, doubles. No. Sure. But before we get into the main topic, I want to talk oh, about God. one of my favourite examples that I read about of the uh, the lookalike, and that is um, the CIA apparently used a lookalike to try and take down the first Indonesian president, Sukarno, Sukarno in the 1950s. Mm. So he was the first president of Indonesia after the country declared independence from the Netherlands. Cool. We're learning here. Mm -hmm. Since 1800, it was a a colony colony known as Dutch East Indies and and then was occupied by Japan during World War II. And then after the Second World War, Sukarno became the country's first president. Didn't know that. He started veering Indonesia to the left by providing support and protection to the Indonesian Communist Party. Sorry, he said veering it to the left. I imagined like Indonesia as a boat. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's like left, <laughs> left, yeah. left. That's very funny in my head. <laughs> uh, then he also embarked on a series of aggressive foreign policies under, or, that were anti-imperialistic with the aid of Soviet Union and China, obviously the enemies of the Americans because this is during the Cold War. Mm. So America didn't like him, so they wanted to uh, try and disgrace him. Try and disgrace him. So a, oh, a real effort was made to come up with a pornographic film or at least some still photographs that could pass for Sukarno and uh, his Russian girlfriend engaged in, quote, his favourite activity, sex. <laughs> I was really hoping you are going to be like, fuck him. But, um, that would be very discrediting. The president and his girlfriend have sex. Get him out of here. <laughs> No, but so um, he was also married, and so they wanted to try oh, and yeah, uh, embarrass okay. him. And what they t- first did was they went through a bunch of existing pornos to try and see if there was one that looked like him. God, imagine having that. And job. they didn't find one. Smith, you got to go through all of the porn in the world. <laughs> so yeah, we want a, a guy that looks exactly like that, and a, and she's got to look like a blonde Russian woman. Well, she was a, br- a brunette Russian woman. Not good enough. Try again. Try again. So the CIA decided to try and make its own porno. Great. And because they still couldn't find any porn stars that look like the Indonesian leader, they uh, developed a full face mask of him. No. <laughs> and then they sent it to Los Angeles, uh, made the film. No, uh, no copy of the film has survived, sadly. But apparently the plan was... Would abs- you want to see it? Imagine a 1950s quality mask trying to look like, <laughs> like an a, actual person. Having sex. This is like because, a big you know paper you, mache. You know when you have a mask... <laughs> And uh, you could tuck it into a shirt or something. Yeah. So, but there'd be nothing to tuck into because he's <laughs> naked. No, no, he tucked it into his foreskin. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite part of that sentence was the look of immediate regret on your face. Oh, dear, Matthew. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I will say that. And uh, <laughs> apparently uh, the plan was an absolute failure and uh, Indonesians didn't care at all. I cannot believe that it was a failure. They didn't care and he went on to be president until the 60s. It seemed like 60s. a His popularity grew. Yeah, that was like <laughs> Much like his foreskin? <laughs> mm, close. C- close, close. 
<laughs> now, that is uh, one of my favourite examples, but my absolute favourite story of political decoy is uh, it happened during the Second World War. And uh, right now, I'd like to take a moment to do a shout-out to Joe Boyd, who messaged us on Facebook, requesting that we do the t- a topic of World War II pranks and decoys, because there's a lot of these. Mm. I like Joe Boyd's work. Thank you, She's Joe. given us some great feedback. Yes, we do love people. Over the time that we've been doing the show. That's right. How many beers? <laughs> uh, long-term <laughs> listener, Joe Boyd. Uh, thank you very much. I'd actually come across this topic uh, when I was doing the Diet Love Pass research because I was looking up star... Di- Dilatov, I think. <laughs> I think it's uh, Dilatov is what your, your pronunciation. I'm, I'm your mispronouncing my <laughs> mispronunciation. Uh, and I was looking up Mispronouncing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so I came across the Stalin decoy, and that's how I got into this. But this does tie into Joe's suggestion of World War II pranks and decoys. So I hope that you'll like this one, Joe. Uh, so World War Two, my favourite uh, story of political decoy is the impersonation of Bernard Montgomery. That is a fantastic name. That's a great name. Yeah. Never heard of him. Heard of the famous English general Bernard Montgomery? No, I've not. Nicknamed. It's very accusatory Monty. when he Monty. says. Oh, nice. The famous. Yeah. Don't you think when he's. You've ever heard of the famous. Guy Montgomery? No, I've I've heard of Guy Montgomery. Who is it? What was the name again? Bernard. (laughs) Bernard. Montgomery. Montgomery. Now, but if you're an English person, which we have a fair few people in the UK listening to the show, I'm I'm sure that you would have heard of Bernard Montgomery growing up. It's kind of like John Monash for us, you know? Do you know the man on the $100 bill with a moustache? Yeah. Yeah. Also, I went to Monash University. Ever heard of it? (laughs) No, that was named after Dylan Monash. Fuck. No, it wasn't. I made that up. Got him. Um, <laughs> made him feel shit. Um, now, before we get to the impersonation part of the story, I've got to give you a background on Bernard Montgomery or Monty. Monty. Monty is his name. So he was born in London in 1887. Classic Monty. Is he a geezer? 1887. What a year to be alive. Well, he, 1887. That was a while ago. He was the son of an Anglican bishop. The year was 1887. London. I think it's even before that voice. It's really, really old. But he was the son of an Anglican bishop, Henry Montgomery, and his wife, Maud, who was 18 years younger than Henry. Maud. A lot of very Simpson-y names in this. Maud Montgomery. C. Montgomery. Yes, Maud Montgomery. Uh, Henry Montgomery, so Monty's father, became the Bishop of Tasmania. Sorry, what? In 1889. In Australia. Like our Tasmania. Tasmania in Australia. So just two years after his son's birth... Um, the family moved to Tasmania. What? Yeah. What? And uh, he spent a lot of time there. Bishop Montgomery considered it his duty to spend as much time as possible in the rural areas of Tasmania. And he All was, of them. And he was Well, he was away up to six months at a time, so he didn't see his dad very much. It's not that big. I don't know, but he was just off being a bishop. Hey, because we've got Tasmania in the hat as well, so does this, does this mean we can tick off Tasmania? Matt's we- desperate to tick it off because the hat is so full he can't even put it on. <laughs> Sitting way above my bloody head. Yeah, you look like an idiot. Oh, hang on, but that's got nothing to do with the hat. <laughs> <laughs> you just insulted yourself. Oh, hang on, fuck. <laughs> now, okay. Maud, Maud. Maud Montgomery took little... So, the husband's away. Maud's raising the children, but she took little... Act- Did somebody think of the children? Well, not Maud, <laughs> because she took little interest in the, their education, other than to have them taught by uh, tutors. So, she was like, you know, just go away, go away. Didn't spend much... Wasn't very loving with their children. The loveless. Okay, okay. Well, you're making a bit of an assumption there based on her attention to their education. That doesn't mean she didn't love them. Quote that I read. The loveless environment made Bernard something of a bully. 
as he himself recalled, quote, I was a dreadful little boy. I don't suppose anybody would put up with my sort of behaviour these days, but in 1887, anything, anything went. Do you have a quote from Maud saying she didn't love her children? Yeah, otherwise that doesn't count. Later in his life, Montgomery refused to allow his son David to have anything to do with his grandmother and refused to attend her funeral in 1949. Do you have a quote from Maud saying she doesn't love her children? All of us, all, all you've given us so far Monty is this doesn't misogynistic like boy... Yeah. Who just thinks everything he mum his mum tried very hard. His mum tried very hard. It's not easy being an, a mother in the seventeenth century. Dave, <laughs> did you know? Did you know about that? The seventeenth century. <laughs> He's bad of centuries. Nineteenth century. <laughs> what year is it? Eighteen eighteen eighty eighty seven. The twenty first century. Oh boy. I mean, all the. I mean, do you mate? To be honest, it's not easy to be a mother in any of these centuries. I don't think it is. And I mean, I don't, like, until you've mothered a child, Dave, maybe uh, you're I not have. in a position to say whether or not Maud is a good, loving mother or not. Dave, have a think about that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> he didn't love her. There we go. Okay. That's, that's there we go. See that? There you can go. say that. I'll and and that. The evidence that you have presented indicates that. So let's not shit all over Maud. I did hear we? a story that the man himself told Monty that he was caught smoking. So he was a bit of, he was a, bit of a rubber ass, a bit of a troublemaker. Bad boy. Got caught smoking. His dad comes out and says, think about what you've done. Yeah. I want you to go to apologize to God. So he started praying because his dad's this bishop. Sure. Monty thought that the, the problem was dealt with until uh-huh. his mother found out. And then... She beat the shit out of him with a stick. So there you go. So she's not a very Doing nice God's lady. work, Dave. Doing, doing God's work. Doing God's work. <laughs> up, 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 up. Doing God's work. Stop putting your finger on Dave's lips. With a stick. <laughs> no, please do. Put it back there. That's it, Maud. Uh, the family moved back to London when the bishop got another job. Oh, good. When uh, Monty was in his teens. teens. Uh, Bernard Montgomery went to military school and upon graduation became a career soldier. He became a soldier and served for a time in India. Uh, World War One started, so he was a, f- a soldier before World War One, and uh, he was one of the first people to fight. Is there from the? <laughs> <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's just out there with boxing gloves. Yes! Huh? Huh? <laughs> Let me at him! Huh? Let me at him! Well, not what most people won't know about World War One is that it started with just two guys boxing, and it just. Just got out of hand. It got out of hand. He's not worth it, mate. He's not not worth worth it. it. No, fuck him. Fuck him. What did you say about my mum? Boom! And suddenly there was fighting everywhere. I don't mind if I call Maud a dickhead, but you can't. (laughs) That's my mum. Suddenly, you know, 40 million people died. Um, So he started fighting in France very early on in the war. And two months in, he was shot through the lung... Ooh. And in the knee by a sniper, in a very harrowing event where he was shot, and um, another man he was with was also shot because they were out of the trench in no man's land. He gets shot, the other guy gets shot and falls on top of him, and then he can't move all night because he, if he stands up, he'll get shot again. So the, <laughs> the other guy dies on top of him, and eventually, Aww. when it gets dark, someone goes out and rescues him, and they didn't think he was going to make it. But he made it. Awesome. And he was awarded the Distinguished Service Order for Gallant Leadership. For lying still. <laughs> lying still under a, a slowly dying well, body. Well, this is what... Uh, I've got a quote here from the London Gazette in December 1914, talking about his uh, award. Conspicuous gallant, 
leading on 13th of October when he turned the enemy out of their trenches with the bayonet. So he started stabbing people when he was severely wounded. So he's a real tough guy. Yeah, cool. He's a, he's a bit of a badass. There's only a couple of weeks ago we were talking about where we'd like to be shot. Didn't think of lung, did we? Lung? No. In fact, I said no vital organs, but here he is. Yeah, I guess you got a couple. you got a, you got a backup plan. Mm. No one, no one tweeted in where they'd like to be shot. Probably a good thing. Probably. Yeah. Well, they've got their chance now. Yeah, do you want to make that public? Yeah, I don't. Where would you like to be shot? That's not good. I maintain is there, but the is flabby there a, bit. Is there a problem with making it public? That would mean if you were going to shoot them, I know where to avoid. Yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> I'm going to get them in the head. They didn't want it there. Yeah, they didn't want it there. Suckers. <laughs> uh, they're going to look really stupid. <laughs> Uh, he returned to combat and rose through the ranks throughout World War One. And when he finished, he was a lieutenant colonel. Lieutenant colonel. Just for context, it goes: uh, officer, cadet, second lieutenant, lieutenant, captain, major, lieutenant colonel. Oh, so he's about halfway up here, and then oh it God, goes. There's more. Well, it's oh, a lot more. It goes, I think in I think in England it's lieutenant. I think in America it's lieutenant, and it's spelt the same, but it's. Pronounced differently. Anyway, not important. Not worth stopping him. Sorry, Dave. No, that's okay. And then it goes, Colonel. Ah. Brigadier. Oh. Major General. I like Brigadier. Me too. Lieutenant General. General. Field Marshal or Captain General at the top. So he's about halfway up. Wow, but okay. This is through one war, so four years. So he's risen, risen through the ranks pretty good. Yeah. Uh, between the wars, he remained in the army because he's a career soldier. Mm-hmm. He had not... At first been selected for Staff College, which is his only a hope of achieving high, com- uh, achieving high command. This is where you get picked to be trained. Sure. To be like to become one of these top five people that I said. Yeah. But at a tennis party in Cologne. Oh, my God. What a tennis party. Life? That's right. What is his Lovely. life? He was able to persuade the commander-in-chief of the British Army, Sir William Robertson, to add his name to the list. Let me in. All right. Yeah, it was easy. I imagine that's what happened. Well, tennis parties. Uh, we'll have a loose. we'll have a we'll have a rally. Um, whoever wins the rally gets to be the colonel. Gets to be the colonel. That All seems right. fair. One, two, three, over. Here we go. One, two, three, <laughs> over. <laughs> Smashed him! Oh come on! Hey, I wasn't Fucking ready yet. Sma- no, nah, that wasn't a real him. best. Of th- best two or three. Cop that! I'm the general. Um, Is that how it went? Well, is that how that conversation went? Poor sportsmanship, if you ask me. Well, yeah. speaking of poor sportsmanship, I did. I wasn't going to put this in, but I did hear a story. Listening to a BBC podcast, There's a podcast called Great Lives that I often listen to. Ooh, run by the BBC. BBC. It's been going for years, and what happens is a, a famous person comes in, and they have to talk about a person from history, history that they admire. Ah. And then they get an expert to come in as well, and they just talk about the person. That's so I clever. listened to the one on Bernard Montgomery. And uh, which is very, very interesting. And the story that one of the, the, the expert on Monty told was that when he was in India, when he was a young soldier, uh, the German prince came to visit. This is before the, the war, so they're not fighting. He came to visit and the boss of the army base, Scott Monty, he said, oh, we're going to organize like a, a soccer match between our soldiers and his entourage. Cool. And he said to Monty, but take take it easy on them because they've never played soccer before. So, you know, let them win. Yeah. So Monty got his the best players in the whole base and they beat them 40-0. Fuck. So he was like, I'm not going to let those Germans win. 
So there you go. He was a very competitive guy. <laughs> and I imagine that that's how he... Uh, what happened at the tennis party. So he went to Staff College and then he was appointed Brigadier Major. God, that's a great... Yeah, brigadier, brigadier is a fun word. Brigadier. 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 Major. Brigadier. Major. Brigadier. Major. Brigadier. Brigadier. This is good fun. Brigadier. It's like our local, one of our local electorates of Maribyrnong. Maribyrnong is fun to say. Brigadier. Maribyrnong. The Maribyrnong remix. Uh, 1927, Monty, now Brigadier. Brigadier. Exactly. <laughs> so, I've lost my train of thought. What was he? Brigadier. Major. Um, in 1927, now a Brigadier Major. Major. Oh. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, he met and married Elizabeth Carver, who uh, was the widow of Oswald Carver, who had been an Olympic rowing medalist. Who sadly was killed in the First World War at Gallipoli. Oh, she could pick him, couldn't she? There you go. Yeah. An Olympic gold medalist and now a brigadier. Major. <laughs> oh, they had a son called David. Major. No? Okay. Carver. <laughs> brigadier Carver. <laughs> so they, they used to name, like your surname was from your um, your occupation. Right. <laughs> on, I, think, I think you're thinking... Medieval times. Medieval times, yeah. This is this, this is I the nineteenth century. Olden remember. days is olden days remember. is olden days. Yes. No, remember, right, no. 19th century, not ninth century. So at this point, Jeez, he it's would confusing probably, the system, isn't this, it? He'd probably just have his dad's let's surname. Just, yeah. let's just use numbers. It'd be much easier. Yeah, much easier. So it's what, so they had a son called David. David. Are uh, they married? But whilst on holiday in England, um, at the beach, she suffered an insect bite, which became infected. And she died. Oh, no. <laughs> Much like, do you remember Lord Carnarvon from the uh, yeah, Pharaoh's yes, Curse? Episode, yeah. He had oh, a mozzie bite. Kind of shaving. That's right, mozzie bite. Carnarvon is another great name, too. Oh, Brigadier so Carnarvon. Oh, that, mm. Brigadier. That Brigadier. can't exist because people can't take... Get over here, Mr. Brigadier. Broden? <laughs> the loss devastated Monty, but he insisted on throwing himself back into his work immediately after the, f- the funeral. Which is uh, pretty timely because a couple, only a couple of years later was World War Two, and by this time he was a major general. Well, not as fun. Major. No. And uh, throughout the war, he kept going, and in 1942, he was promoted to field marshal. God damn. Field marshal feels like it's a boy doing that job. Yeah. Well, that, that go is... fetch me something, Mister Little Field Marshal. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Now, but that field marshal, I don't know if you remember, that is top dog. Yeah. He is in charge, or He's one of the top uno, dogs. Yeah. He's in charge of the British ground forces. That's pretty impressive. So he's a lot of a lot of people are under him. But what, what, one thing I did find interesting was uh, he became quite a character, and he was very well known. He sort of created a character for himself. He started wearing a black beret, sick, a black beret, which pissed off a lot of people in the army because it was not for someone of his rank or background to wear a beret. It was like you had to be either like a, uh, people who drove tanks got to wear this black beret, but he decided he thought it looked badass, <laughs> and he just put these two military badges on it, which you're not also supposed to put on your hat. And uh, but he just wore that everywhere, and then he was instantly recognisable, and he sort of became this celebrity because he started winning a few battles, and he was very outspoken, and you always he had this image. 
That's so un-army like. Mm. Yes, he, you gotta wear what he, you gotta wear. Cre- I know. Yeah. So a lot apparently a lot of the old senior people were tried to hint to him that he should not wear that. Mm. But he'd gone through a few different hats. Apparently, he for a while he tried an Australian slouch hat. Yes, you know, the cool. Aussie slouch hat that Anzac's God Australian soldiers are pretty he was famous only for. Nineteen. I was only that kind of nineteen. Exactly. Uh, so he was now top dog. A story which was popular at the time, but probably made up. Apparently, Monty remarked after he was appointed top dog. In, so it's the middle of the World War, uh, World War II, 1942. Three years in, three years to go. He uh, apparently said, After having an easy war, things have now got much more difficult. A colleague is supposed to have told him, No, Monty, cheer up, cheer, cheer up, mate. Don't be so hard on yourself. And he said, apparently, Monty said, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Rommel, who was his like the in charge of the Nazi army, so his equivalent. <laughs> so yeah, so it's bad for him. What an arrogant prick! He really was. He really was very, very arrogant. Uh, and he also rocked a. Oh, uh, hopefully you can imagine what this guy looks like. He also rocked a really, really uh, dirty mustache. Yes. So black beret, two badges that aren't supposed to be there. Dirty mustache. You know what would have been cooler. If it was a different coloured beret, like just off the top of my head, maybe like a raspberry, like pink, pink, or a red, yeah, or a raspberry, rasp. What about a beige beret? Beige, beige beret. He wore a beige beret. What about a blueberry beret? <laughs> blueberry beret. Yep, still blueberry. works. Blueberry. Can you find in a second hand? What would be the this is a very musical episode, isn't it? Maybe too musical. Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Please do go on. Uh, so now he's top dog. The Germans are watching him more closely. Mm-hmm. As, uh, they're all spying on each other. By 1944, the war had been going for a long, long time, obviously. Germany was uh, fighting the Allies on the west and the Russians on the east. And uh, the Nazis occupied much of France. The Allies <laughs> planned to invade Norban- uh, Normandy in northern France in June in what was codenamed Operation Neptune, and since known to history as D-Day, or the D-Day landings, mm-hmm. which was a, a great thing for the Allies and helped them win the war. But trying to keep the massive invasion a secret, the Allies decided to come up with a number of decoys. D-d-d-decoy! It's decoy time! <laughs> you Woo! get a decoy! You get a decoy! Woo! Um, born in 1898, 11 years after Monty... Merrick, Edward, Clifton Jones. Jesus, amazing name. Better known as M.E. Jones. M.E. Jones. Me Jones. Me Jonesy. Me Jonesy. So good. He was born in Perth, Western Australia. Perth. What was that accent? What was going on there? Why we wawa? Oh, dear. That's a little blood rush. W-A, what came out was wow. Do you want a wow? Please cut that. Perth, wow, wow. So, me Jonesy from wow, wow. Perth, Western Australia. Merrick Jones from Perth, Western Australia. Here to report for duty. Some reason I got a weird English accent. All right, here we go. Yeah, fuck. I just, I'm good to go. Give me a gun. Let's kill some. Is kill he drunk? Some... What? You're drunk. <laughs> okay. Brigadier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
check out the Brigadier over here. Tell you what. <laughs> He's obviously shocked. Tell you what, this bloody Brigadier over here thinks he knows a thing or two, but he doesn't know me. Doesn't know me, doesn't know where I'm from. Perth in Wawa. <laughs> No, I didn't think so. so. P.O. dickhead. Oh. Take off your <laughs> shitty barrow. Yeah? Take it off. Give me a gun. Let's kill some cunts. Where are they? <laughs> Put them in the direction. Give me a gun. Load up. Just put them in the direction. I'm going to kill some cunts. Here we go. Put them in. Oh, okay. I think I'll, 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 I'll figure it out myself. Here we go. <laughs> where I can, where'd everyone go? I'm just, all right, new plan, I'm having a little nap. I'll talk to you later. All right, not all. Operation nap. Operation nap time. What just happened? What a character. So well, that's the character. His, uh, his father was English. He was a magistrate in WA. That's where the accent came from. <laughs> uh, he was the ina- his father was the inaugural president of the Western Australian Cricket Association, oh. who I mainly mentioned because I love that his name was John Charles... Horsey James. Horsey. Horsey, Horsey is, is his middle name. Horsey is a great Horsey. name. Yes. Horsey. Horsey? Horsey. 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 That's <laughs> not a name. Wait, are you pronouncing Jose funny? <laughs> John. Jose. James. <laughs> Jose. Jose. Um... Who, Horsey, was educated at the rugby school, the place where rugby was invented in 1845. Oh, do you remember who and else was, went there? Yeah, it was that... Um, Tom Wills. Damn it, give me a chance. Tom Wills, oh, that's sorry, right. Father of Australian rules football. And Horsey was there just 10 years after it had been uh, invented, so he played it. Hmm? You probably heard all about uh, Tommy Wills. Yeah, you definitely probably would have. Uh, so, M.E. Clifton Jonesy, Jonesy served in uh, the First World War. He served at the Battle of the Somme and lost a finger. Ooh. And after which war- one? You don't know. I'm actually not sure which finger he lost. Which, which one would you want to lose? <laughs> it's got to be Tweet the in, pinky, which right? finger? It's got to be the pinky. Yeah. Or for right. cemetery, maybe the middle. Nah, I'd go right pinky. Lose that bad boy. Right, right pinky. pinky. Oh, because you're a left-hander. Exactly. I'd go left pinky. I'd take off all of them. It's all or nothing for me. All or nothing. Take them off. Wow. That is so sexy. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Where would I like to be shot? In all ten fingers. Uh, so after the war, Jonesy, nine fingers, he uh, took up acting. <laughs> sure. As you do. Well, you don't need your finger to act, do you? I don't know. It depends. Depends. This, yeah, he reads the script. Um, <laughs> you know, James enters the scene. Waving his finger, pointing at everyone in the room. He's like, oh, I'm not going to get this. What if Jay, what, what what if the, agent put me in for this? What if the character has to count for ten on, count to ten on his hands? James starts counting from one to ten. One. Like, in brackets, like everyone is able to. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, you casting pricks. Like everyone is able to. Look, I'm going to give you ten reasons why I'm not taking this job. Number one. <laughs> Number one. Oh, shit. Shit. <laughs> shit. All right. Nine reasons, starting at two. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, but so he's taken up acting. Apparently, you do need your finger to, finger to act because I've seen his acting described by the Australian newspaper as, quote, James was not a great actor. He could neither sing nor dance. Something about him was incomplete. He was not a good actor. I, know, I love that. He could neither sing nor dance. He was not... A good runner. He could neither <laughs> sit nor stand. I mean, he ran really he ran well. Really well. <laughs> I, assume, I mean, I've only ever seen him not sit and not st- not stand. My example was not great. <laughs> He's just lying, lying down. I feel like my joke was pretty good and you missed it, but that's oh, all right. Fuck. You'll hear it, it when happens. you listen back, yeah. 
It's a corker. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. i got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate your last biscuit. I was that saving been, them for my wedding. That has been stressing. <laughs> That has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively and that had been affecting me and that feel, that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. It was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit. That he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> that is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. (laughs) Cha-ching! You can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Uh, But one thing that uh, Jonesy was known for was uh, when the Second World War broke out, he volunteered to entertain the troops winding up in uh, Leicester and the Army Corps Variety Troop. I'm imagining him in a can-can dress, just by himself. He's really good at can. He could neither sing nor dance chess. Oh, yeah, you did say that. But one thing he could do, he he had a thin face, a grey moustache, and could do a remarkable impersonation of the top British soldier, Bernard Monty Montgomery. Oh. Boy. So uh, about seven weeks before D Day that I was talking about before, remember I was talking about D Day, mm-hmm. 1944. Decoy Day. Decoy Day. Dave Day. My favourite day. <laughs> a Lieutenant Colonel noticed Jonesy's resemblance to Monty while he was reviewing photographs in a newspaper. Weird. So there'd been photos of the variety troop and him doing his impression. Sure. Um, what had happened was. Um, Jay- Maybe a little less perusing the newspaper, a little more winning the war. Dickhead. Did he say so? He noticed his resemblance when he saw a photo of him impersonating him. It's like he hasn't done a lot of work there, has he? Well, so uh, apparently the story goes <laughs> that uh, Clifton J- uh, Jones had rescued a failed patriotic show by appearing quite briefly as Monty oh. doing an, an impromptu impression at the end. So the show was going badly, and they're like, whip out the big guns, whip out the big guns. <laughs> whip out the guy that kind of looks like <laughs> that other guy. Like, Hi, I'm Monty. <laughs> yeah! yeah! The last three Woo! hours were, were suddenly awesome. 
So he'd seen photos. And as a result, uh, he was approached by actor and army colonel David Niven. He's both. Wow. In May 1944. You ever heard of David Niven? His name kind of rings a bell, actually. Uh, David Niven, after the war, would go on to win an Oscar for his role in the 1958 film Separate Tables. But he was already a famous actor. <laughs> it's the worst name of a film. <laughs> Separate Tables. <laughs> it's actually so bad. <laughs> Separate Tables. What's it about? What do you reckon Separate Tables is well, about? Well, I reckon it was, it was about the, uh, where the kids ate at Christmas dinner. <laughs> the kids' table. The kids' table. Yeah, nice. The follow that trestle one. That's or it. an unhappy relationship when they go to a restaurant. Separate tables. The story of broken marriage. <laughs> this is the led pl- to separate beds. <laughs> then and even worse, separate graves because <laughs> they killed each other somehow. Okay. So this wow. is the opening line of the plot of uh, separate tables. Mm-hmm. Separate plot. Major David <laughs> Angus. Major David Angus Pollock who's played by David Niven, fails to steal an article about himself in the West Hampshire Weekly News. What? That's the opening line. <laughs> yeah, well, apparently that's the plot. Ugh. His attempt to keep the articles from the eyes of other guests at the hotel only succeeds in what heightening hotel? their awareness of it. Okay. Suddenly we're in a hotel? We're in a hotel now. Look, I want to watch this movie. Let's do it. Well, also in the film is Rita Hayworth and Burt Lancaster. So there you go. But... Some big David guns. Niven, um, he was voted as the second most popular British actor in 1945. He would star opposite Peter Sellers in The Pink Panther. Which is wow. Probably know him. He's mm. the guy Wait, from The Pink Panther. What's yeah. this guy's name? And what's he got to do with anything again? Here David here. Niven has called up Jonesy saying, Hey, I hear you look like Monty. And here's a side note about David Niven. You know, you oh, know, David Niven. I know that guy. The Malloy character in the the Simpsons Springfield Cat Burglar, Cat Burglar episode yeah. is based on him. Yeah, cool. Hey, Dave, a sidebar. Don't. Where the fuck is this Simpsons episode? I knew you were going to do that. Can you just let Dave be Dave? I just want to talk about the Second World War yeah, how for about a, you letting, a few more weeks. How about you Mate, letting it's Nazi, get Nazi, Nazi with you. Just a little bit of Simpsons, please. Let him get through this topic first. Okay. Just let him finish, okay? I mean, that's what he says everywhere. I'm having a good time. Dave, please do go on. Anyway, so this nobody actor who can't sing, can't dance, Nine Fingers, gets a call from David Niven, who was working for the British Army's film unit. So that's what that famous actor's doing in the army. Mm-hmm. He was asked to come to London on the pretext of making a film. So he's like, David Niven wants me in his movie? This is awesome. Looks like we made it. Look how far we've come, come, my baby. Right took the long way. We knew we'd get get there someday. They said I'll be. They'll never make it. But just look at us going on. Who sings that? Shania Twain. It sounded like Shania Twain featuring Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. (laughs) With man doing back up over there. (laughs) I'm never making it spoken. That sounded more like Creed guy when you did it. <laughs> Shania Twain featuring Eddie Vedder, featuring Creed guy, Gosh. featuring David Niven. Uh, With the arms wide open. Had a bit of that about it. Did. But when um, <laughs> Jonesy gets the call from David Niven, he thinks he's being in the film, but then Niven explains that it's about something different. Apparently he's... Uh, Jonesy supposedly burst into tears because he thought oh. he had been exposed as a bigamist who was receiving a double marriage allowance. I don't know if that's true. I read that on one website. 
That's so great. Oh, you got me. You got me. Allegedly. You got me. <laughs> he's like, why is David <laughs> Niven the one exposing me as a double? <laughs> it's like the world's biggest prank. You're going to be in a movie. You're going to be in a movie. Yes, yes. It's about something different. I'm just going to assume it's about the bigamy. Oh, no. I've, I've busted David Niven. Oh, my God. David Niven's like, no, no, no. I just want you to dress up like Monty. You mean it? <laughs> you mean it? It's oh. not about the bigamy. Oh, my God. You don't know about my wives? You just, you're my hero, David. I just thought it would be so upsetting if you were the one who said, you can't marry two people. <laughs> I just couldn't handle it. I couldn't. I couldn't handle it. Come here, David. Give me a hug. Give me a hug. Like you mean it. But uh, before we go on, you really can't marry two yeah. people. By the way, I'm going to have to tell the boss. Oh, no. <laughs> David Niven. He knows my secret. Not the great actor who's going to be in Pink Panther in a couple of decades. <laughs> the best bit of all of this is your facial expressions. Yeah, your I'm face so is sad doing for our, so good. So sad for our friends. No, I've, got real, I've got real tears in my eyes. I'm <laughs> feeling for Jonesy. <laughs> and beautiful. he's apparent two wives, which may not have even happened. Oh, I didn't know you had such a leathery face. Leather rubber. <laughs> That's what I was going for. Quite different. Yeah. One doesn't move very well. It's a rubber face. What's I don't understand. A rubber face. Elastic. A bit elastic face. Like I was going to say, like a rubber face. Wouldn't that be like a stone? You've got a face like an eraser, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it definitely wasn't a compliment, if that's what you're trying to figure out. No. Yes, I am. I'm... Are you a little teapot? <laughs> I don't know if you guys have put two and two together here. No. But the I idea... What's going on? The idea is for Jonesy... To impersonate Monty. I did not see that coming. Just want to make sure that you saw that coming. Because when he, when he, uh, David Niven looked him up, and the only thing he liked about him was he looked like that guy. That kind of put me off the scent. Mm, He's like, "You look like Monty. I want you to play my wife. (laughs) My two wives. My two wives. I want to marry you. I want to marry you for a third time." (laughs) So anyway, the idea is for Jonesy. To uh, impersonate Monty and be seen by spies in Gibraltar and make the Germans think that the Allies were going to invade the south of France rather than the north, or at least make them think they weren't going to invade it for a couple of days because the theory is the leaders here in Gibraltar, they can't be about to invade France. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we've got at least a couple of days to prepare. And just to, so that made it look like it would be a few days, like they weren't in a hurry to do it. Um, Jonesy was walking around in a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. <laughs> on, a, on a banana lounge. But I am here. This is Pina pleasure. Colada. This is not business. We are not talking about army stuff. Stretch yeah. out the banana and we're going to have a good time. Yeah. So. Like, Jonesy. Bring your uh, two wives. <laughs> yeah, well, they're like, Jonesy, started. your wife's here. Which one? <laughs> oh, no. Um, so Gibraltar was seen as the ideal uh, spot to put the plan into action, in part because it was the, uh, the st- stomping ground of a particularly unscrupulous Spanish spy who was employed by the Germans, a man called Ignacio Ignacio Molina Perez. Close. Mm, Close. I was thinking of Puss in Boots. (laughs) I'm always thinking about Puss in Boots. Not me too. (laughs) I mean, who isn't, though, in the end? Bloody hell. It comes down to two things. fabulous feline, always top of mind. Puss in Boots. (laughs) What a combo. Uh, You got your puss. You got your boots. Fucking cat. <laughs> Fucking little cat there with the, oh, all those boots. 
get those boots and you got your bloody sword out. I tell you what, you could cut right into my heart. You little bloody, bloody little cat. Jeez, oh, please, I don't know what. Oh, what are we gonna do about this, you guys? I don't think I'm gonna be able to focus on the show. The pussin' boots in my head now. And I'm not gonna be able to shake it out. Can we reconvene tomorrow? If you guys could just duck out for a good 24 hours, I'm just going to stay here with my thoughts. Oh, no. You and your puss in boots thoughts. What? Hang on. What are you reading into that, Perkins? Weirdo? Oh, oh we're weird. <laughs> so, we got puss in boots. Okay, let's call him that for now on. But Ignacio Molina Perez, he was... Head- Is that racist? What? Calling, calling him puss in boots? He's a Nazi spy. Who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> uh, he was... So Puss in Boots is the head of information on the staff of a Spanish military governor uh, who is uh, liaising between the Spanish government and the British authorities in Gibraltar. Just some background on Gibraltar. Uh, Gibraltar is a British overseas territory attached to the bottom of the south of Spain. Do you guys know that? Uh, yeah. And not surprisingly, it is claimed by Spain... As it is attached mainly to Spain, but I will say Gibraltar during the war is a very st- strategic area to have control of. So the British were pretty keen to have it. So in theory, Spanish officials were supposed to be neutral. They're supposed to be talking between Spain and Britain in Gibraltar. So it's supposed to be everyone's supposed to be friendly. It's not part of the war. But in reality, as declassified material reveals, uh, the British knew Molina or Puss in Boots. As he is co- was a Nazi spy, codenamed Cosmos, or Puss in Boots. Yeah, that's better. Puss in Boots. Uh, so Puss in Boots pretended to be pro-British, but was actually, they knew, quote, bad from head to foot. I love the British. <laughs> that's a French accent. Uh, Spanish, Spanish. Hola. Hola. Me llamo Puss in Boots. English, yeah, no, can't do accents. Yeah, well, <laughs> still French again. <laughs> no, here, I'll go get I'll go get Third time lucky. All right, yeah. here we go. <clears throat> Hola. I love the English. <laughs> That's it. Got it. Um, um, the, the first thing was you... <laughs> was Tacos. It? It's Mexican. Damn it. Oh. <laughs> That's racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why is that? Oh, racism is so confusing. It, summing it all up, the British knew that Puss in Boots was a spy, but they had never caught him red-handed, so they had no proof. No proof, right? But he was the ideal target for the hoax, because if he spotted Monty in Montgomery, he would radio secretly to the German soldiers and they'd be like, oh, cool, Monty's in Gibraltar. So they want sure. this dude to see Monty Because he's a gossip. Because he's a real gossip. That's right. Cool. All right. Sounds like a bloody woman. <laughs> no, Jess. No, that like- is where comedy has gone too far. For in comedy, <laughs> we should be looking at the bigger picture. It's fine to laugh at the Spaniards. It's fine to laugh at the Mexicanos. But once you laugh at the lady, you've drawn too long of a bow. Draw down on that bow, fair lady, (laughs) and place it back in your petticoat straps. For we are America, (laughs) and God bless our queen. 
He so badly wanted to bail. So, uh, in, in, in summary, racism, huh? Sexism, oh. Now, now I understand. Now you get it. Now that you've simplified it to sounds, now I get it. Yeah. Huh? I reckon, I reckon I'm about one in ten for those, um, those weird... Those rants? Rants? Nah, I reckon mate. I... I, I, I... No, nah, mate, ten for ten. <laughs> Dave, please do go on. Jonesy wasn't the first man chosen for the job of impersonating Monty. Uh, the first actor selected was Miles... Gerard Depeju. <laughs> <laughs> he was, how do you say, busy. <laughs> no, the first actor was Miles Mander, who'd played Monty in, in a film called Five, Gra- Five Graves to Cairo. Oh, boy. Another, what's the plot of Five Graves to Cairo? Oh, that's where... The, so, basically, they're just really big graves. Um, and they lay them head to toe, and they just sort of walk through them until they get to Cairo, because they're only five graves away. Mm-hmm. It's really just on the other side of the border. Sort of like how you'd normally say, oh, I've just got to go two blocks towards that street. Yeah. So a grave, I mean, a normal grave is probably about like a human length plus, you know, give or take. Uh-huh. These ones, you're about 20% bigger. So, I mean, you were you were still close, uh-huh. but the, the title was a little misleading, because you were, you were thinking... Geez, we're bloody close to Cairo, but you actually... It was probably more like six graves. Yeah, sure. By the time you get that extra 20% do, on do each you, of them. So you round down. You round down, yeah. Well. I mean, this is Hollywood as well. Because on the screen, a grave actually looks a little bit smaller than it actually is. So you've got you to build the grave up. You know? Yeah. But they actually, they... They didn't get the calculations exactly right. They went 20% bigger when probably only needed to be, you know... 16 to 17% bigger, but... I mean, long story short, yeah, it was a pretty short film. You know, the walk took him about 15 seconds. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, it was a beautiful score by um, Gary Moore, and he, the old guy from Thin Lizzy for some reason, and... I mean, it was. I mean, sure, it was like a. It was successful box office wise, but mm-hmm. critically, it was a bit of a meh. Well, I was. I was hoping for a, a two sentence answer to the question. <laughs> what were, yeah, what was the question the again? Question was, what, what was what was Five Graves to Cairo about? It's actually directed by uh, Hollywood legend Billy Wilder. Oh, yeah. Billy Wilder, yeah, the guy who played um, played uh, Willy Wonka. Yeah, he Gene Wilder. Yeah, that's you're thinking of Gene Wilder. Yeah, what did I say? Billy Wilder is different. Yeah, Willy Wonka. Anyway, I don't know what we were talking about. Mm. Oh, we were talking about the first guy that was supposed to play Monty Miles Mander was too tall for the role, so a substitute was found who then fell victim to a road accident and broke his leg. So number three is the man who can't act, dance, or sing. My kind of man. But I mean, does he need to? Playing an army guy? He just needs to look like him. needs to look like him. But Mm -hmm. there's a problem. Jonesy was a heavy drinker and smoker and, of course, missing a finger. Monty didn't drink or smoke and had all ten fingers, which Uh. he boasted about on many occasions. So Jonesy had to temporarily give up drinking and smoking and a prosthetic finger was made and attached to his hand. Wow. Uh, To the fake Monty trimmed his moustache, dyed his sideburns and was issued... With, this is my favourite bit, khaki handkerchiefs with a BLM monogram. So, it's like um, the idea of the Puss in Boots seeing this guy that looks and talks like Monty. Thinking, oh, this could be him. And then seeing, he just puts a handkerchief on a table and goes, yeah. 
Well, that's definitely him. That is. I'm calling Germany right now. You can't now. just get those made. No. It must be him. Yeah. It must be. Uh, the British spread false information that Monty was coming to North Africa via Gibraltar to discuss plans for the invasion of southern France. Mm. Mm. Remember, they're actually going to the north. They want everyone to think they're going to the south. Uh, Jonesy flew to Gibraltar on Winston Churchill's private plane. All right. We've let, all got stuff Let him have on. a go. On board, he sneaked sips from a hidden flask to soothe his nervousness. Classic Jonesy. So, remember, he's not supposed to drink at all. Uh, apparently, his handlers spent the rest of the flight trying to, trying to sober him up because he got quite drunk on oh, the plane. Boy. Oh, on May 26th, the bogus Monty landed with a governor in Gibraltar, Ralph Rusty Eastwood. Rusty is his nickname. Uh, was waiting. A classified report since release has described the scene. Quote, The governor himself was waiting for the visitor and played his difficult part with expert skill. So it was difficult, apparently, Matt. And this is how difficult it is. Hello, Monty. Glad to see you, he said, as the distinctive black beret <laughs> emerged. Hello, Rusty. How are you? Came the answer from Jonesy. So he's responding to the name Monty, which is a good, good start. Good. Remember now, your name is Homer Thompson. I think he's talking yes. to you. <laughs> that's that's how I imagine this whole scenario going. But also, wouldn't his voice sound different too? Yes, but I think... At so the, if you're talking to people who already know you... Mm, yeah, but th- th- this spy has probably never met mm. met the real Monty before. And of course, it's not like these days... But have, has anybody met the real the Monty, Monty yeah. you know? Has he let him in? Yeah. He doesn't let anyone in. <laughs> Sounds a bit like a, a little friend of mine, Dave Warnicky. Doesn't let anybody in. Well, I am wearing a black beret. Yeah, it looks great, though. Thank you. Two badges. Just like my hero. And a SWAT sticker. Do you just call it a Swatch sticker? <laughs> like, Swatch <laughs> the brand with it. Yeah, well, I mean, that that's how you get away with it, I guess, but still, it's weird. <laughs> Swatch sticker. <laughs> Puss in Boots had been invited to Government House for a meeting with the uh, colonial secretary and was left in a room with a view where he could not fail to spot the black beret. Very so good. And so he's like, oh, do you come and have a meeting with me? What's that out there? Look at that beautiful sunset. Hmm? Mm. <laughs> Keep trying to point out things. Don't you love people watching? I love people oh, watching. I love Why don't you have a look who's around at some of the people? Who's, who do you, tell me, who do you think that looks like? I, like? I mean, is. I like hats. Do you like, do you like let's hats? Let's look at some hats that are happening let's down go. I reckon, there. I reckon a beret would... Maybe like that one there. That would look good on you, wouldn't it? Do you, is somebody maybe famous for wearing a similar yeah. kind of... Or that exact beret? The, hmm. With the two badges. Maybe. And no one else wears that, so it's definitely him. Could it? Hmm? I don't know. Who, who is it? Who is it? Can tell you know me. who it is? Can you tell? Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Monty! <laughs> Monty! Sorry, I just sometimes say that name. It's so weird. Just, just come Sorry, down. Excuse, oh, I think I have a sneeze coming on. <laughs> Monty. Monty. Monty, it's Monty. definitely Monty, south of France. <coughs> <laughs> Tell uh, everyone. Call uh, Germany. Call Germany now. No, I cannot see anyone. What accent <laughs> yeah. is that? No. <laughs> <But imagine> Non-committal. <laughs> but imagine if you came and he's like, I'm blind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Damn it. I'm very short-sighted. We I'm forgot. so sorry. I don't... Uh, no, I it's don't, French. You're going French. I don't uh, see... Spanish is hard. See, uh, uh, do not see. Uh, do not see. Do not see. Uh, <laughs> I uh, am do uh. not see. I am do not see. <laughs> I am do not see. Oh, what? Uh, but apparently, Puss in Boots or Molina was a better spy than he was an actor. Because, quote, his interest 
in what was happening on the scene was too great to hide. Oh, he had a good boner. <laughs> <laughs> Boing! Oh, let me sit down for a second. Oh, oh, nothing. So, sometimes this happens. It's very natural. It's very natural. Wait, wait. This is the Sp- so the Spanish Puss in Boots is a better. He's a better spy than actor. Yeah, because apparently he couldn't hide his excitement. He became erect and then started quizzing the secretary about who that was. And apparently the secretary, with well-feigned embarrassment, was forced to confess that the uh, Monty was on his way to Algeria in northern Africa. A long way away from Normandy and France. So he was like, oh, that's no one. That's that's no one. (laughs) Meanwhile, the Puss in Boots is sitting underneath a desk. The table's rising up by half a foot. Sometimes the table does that. Sometimes... (laughs) One of those tables. Just, just give me five minutes alone. Come on. Uh, you don't. This table is uh, sometimes it rises up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> very sorry about this. Um, it's just one of those tables. <laughs> we have them in Gibraltar. Yeah. This is why my, we call uh, my pants the uh, Rock of Gibraltar. <laughs> my pants. <laughs> my, my pants are Rock of Gibraltar. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. There's a, it's a local reference. I thought you would enjoy. I'm sorry. This is one of the only things I know about. And, uh, what uh, is happening? And who is that in that beret? I must have him. I must. I must. Well, this is very confusing. Well, What's happening? What has happened is Puss in Boots can't have his excitement. He apparently jumps into his car and uh, races away and apparently was observed making an urgent long-distance phone call very, very quickly. So he jumps onto a payphone. Uh, a British intelligence report said that the information on the fake Monty reached Berlin in 20 minutes, which for 1944 is an amazing feat. For it to... You've got amazing feet. <laughs> but thank you. Give me five minutes alone. Leave your feet here. <laughs> Uh, Molina, or Puss in Boots, embellished his own role, apparently telling one of his confidants, a spy working for the British, that he had shaken hands with the British general. I met him, yes. I met him. Mm-hmm. I met him. We became uh, very good friends. We had a cognac. Mm. <laughs> uh, apparently, he said, quote, the governor introduced me to him. He seems muy simpatico. Very nice. Muy simpatico. Muy simpatico. Ah, uh, muy, muy. Uh, the double agent reported that Molina seemed to be very satisfied with himself. I bet he was. But was hiding something in his pants. <laughs> That's not from the quote. No, I think it is. Uh, so a wartime decoding center in, uh, interrupted or intercepted the message and uh, apparently it said, General Montgomery arrived Gibraltar. Discussions held with governor and French general. I need new pants. <laughs> Send pants. Send pants. Send pants, no reason. Send pants. Unrelated. Reinforced crutch. Please. <laughs> please. Pl- Reinforced crutch and pleats. Uh, Jonesy then flew to Algiers in Algeria, when over the next few days he made a round of public appearances with the Allied commander in the Mediterranean. He was then secretly flown to Cairo, where he stayed until the invasion in Normandy was well underway, the actual D-Day. He found the job rather stressful and was given a large supply of whiskey. Mm. He then returned to his job after an absence of five weeks, but for the time he was playing the general, 
Jonesy received a full general's pay. So he got paid a lot more. Oh, than hello. Usually. He got paid the top. top. Gee, that's all right. That's cool. That's a good deal. Just in case someone in accounts was checking up on him, like he's getting really? paid. He's getting paid like a general. He must be a general. No. I mean, it's going out to a different name, I know, but, but very confusing. Must be and him. two different wives, but two no. different wives. No questions <laughs> asked. It's World War Two. <laughs> Melina. Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots. His career as a Nazi spy came to an abrupt end. Armed with hard evidence, the British declared him persona non grata. Persona. Yeah. <laughs> and excluded him. From Gibraltar, so he wasn't welcome in Gibraltar anymore. Jonesy wrote a book called I Was Monty's Double in the 1950s and then starred as himself in the film adaptation. Brilliant. Brilliant. But that is not the end of my report. Jonesy was not the only man to play Bernard Montgomery during the Second World War. That's right, there's a third Monty. Tres Montys? Huh? This one, our third Monty... Before we wrap up, is Keith Deemer, nicknamed Tex Banwell. From here on, known as Tex Banwell, because it's a wicked name. <laughs> is he name. from Texas? No, but we'll get to his nickname. He was born in England in 1917, making him 30 years younger than the real Monty. Mm. He too had spent time in Australia ah. from 1920 to 1936, as his father served in the Australian Imperial Force. Hmm. So all three of these Montys have served or spent a lot of time in our country. Pretty cool. It's pretty weird. Cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> That's rad. He joined the army himself at age 19 and served in India, Palestine, and then Egypt. Always outstandingly fit, Tex proved more than a match for them as their temporary physical training instructor. So we used to instruct all the other army people how to get fit, and apparently he was much fitter than everyone else. Well, la dee after the outbreak of war, he volunteered for special service and joined the Middle East Commandos. He was captured in 1942 during a raid on Tobruk, but he and a friend stole a German vehicle and escaped back to British lines. That's pretty cool. He was then taken prisoner again. He was taken prisoner again near Heraklon during a raid on German-held Crete, the Greek island, and he was personally guarded by Max Schmeling, the world heavyweight boxing champion who was serving in the General Army. What? So they thought this Tex guy was such a risk because he's already escaped before that he was put under these, the supervision of the World Heavyweight Boxing Champion. What? Even so, Tex managed to escape again with friends, this time by boat. The craft ran out of fuel and drifted ashore in to uh, North Africa after nine days. Exposure and sunstroke putting him in hospital for three months. Ooh. It was at this point that his likeness to Montgomery was noticed and he was summoned by to Cairo by the Army Intelligence. So that explains it. He's 30 years younger, but after nine days of starving and being sunburnt mm. in the ocean, he looks like the general. He's kind of got a bit leathery. Yeah, they're like, you look like... You've aged approximately aged 30, 30 years. years. Uh, he met Monty and was given his clothing, including his signature beret. Tex was then sent on trips around the Middle East to confuse enemy spies. They'd be like, was he here and there? He wasn't allowed to leave the car, though, because he was much taller than the real Monty. Oh. People would be like, why is this Monty suddenly giant? So he just waved at people from a car. Oh, Monty. Hello, oh, me, Monty. 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 But being a badass, he found this super boring and soon quit to get back in the army and joined the infantry. There he was introduced to parachuting and joined a parachute regiment. He soon joined the 10th Battalion of the Parachute Regiment and in September 1944, towards the end of the war took part in the debacle at Arnhem, which is uh, 
famous parachute fuck up. Six of the <laughs> six of the fifteen men in his team were killed by anti-aircraft fire before they could even jump out. So they're just being shot at while they're preparing to jump out of the plane. Oh. Uh, once on the ground, Banwell used a hunting horn to summon his men. Fuck this guy's badass. He's cool. And at the end, and at the end of the battle, he was wounded and captured a third time. Number three. And on the way to a prison camp in Germany, he managed to leap off a train. What? That he and two other guys escaped by removing a window and cutting through barbed wire with nothing more than a pair of nail clippers. How have they not made a movie about this guy? Or have they? They, they, they haven't. They haven't. This guy is so fucking tough. He's so cool. Huh. Uh, then, he offered his services to the Dutch Resistance as a weapons instructor under the code name Tex. Ah. Which he liked so much that he wanted to be called that for the rest of his life. Fair enough. Because <laughs> it's a fucking badass name. Uh, the story is, uh, the, he met up with the Dutch Resistance. They saw this big British mach- uh, British guy, and they handed him this big British machine gun, and uh, and t- to the other two, and they said, "Oh, we've found a bunch of these British guns, but we don't know how to set them up." And Tech steps in and goes, <laughs> "I know what to do." And within like one minute, he's got like machine guns set up all over the place. Sure. He's cool. He's real cool. He's so cool. I love him. People call me Tex sometimes because of Tex Perkins. Oh, that's a good one. It's a good nickname. Tex is good. Yeah. His real name is Greg. Is it really? Is that Tex Perkins' real <laughs> Greg Perkins. Yeah you, no. you, yeah, you would take a nickname then, wouldn't you? You would take a stage name. <laughs> Greg Perkins. Greg Perkins. Yuck. But it, yeah, Tex is Yucky. Great. No, I'm, I'm into Greg. Greg Yuck. is a super solid name. You going to bring Greg back? Yeah. I'm going to bring him back. He's gone. Matt, he's gone. Let him go. Greg and Gary, they're my two favourite go-to names. Good names. Uh, He had the opportunity to return to the Allies on several occasions, but he decided to stay and aid the resistance. Captured yet again after a raid, Tex was held by the Germans and found to have breached Geneva Convention by joining the resistance and not wearing a uniform. That's part of the Geneva Convention. If you're in an army, you're supposed to wear a uniform, so... You know who's, who's on whose who? team. Sure. He was court-martialed and sentenced to death. Oh, no. That's not a very Tex way to go. When he refused to betray his Dutch comrades to the Gestapo, he was paraded in front of a firing squad. They uh, said, tell us, are we going to shoot you? We're going to shoot you. And then uh, it turned out they had blanks in their gun, so they were bluffing. Ooh. The next day, he was brought out again, only to be to be told, all right, n- yesterday was... A st- yeah. Was the setup. This we is the real one. Around. You gotta name those people or we're gonna shoot you. Blanks again. Oh my god. Preserving Bo- boy who cried wolf over here. Mm. I know. Preserving his silence, uh, Tex was then sent to Auschwitz, the very famous concentration camp. Oh. Confined in a tiny cage that was only six foot by six foot, so barely big enough for a, li- a big man to lie down. He was starved to half his normal weight. Oh. So like your weight. Yeah, but like a like a big guy, but weighing my weight. Oh no! He hung on though until the Red Army, the Russians, liberated the camp, and then he insisted on rejoining the Eleventh Battalion Parachute Regiment as soon as he was fit, and he went back. I love him. He was then seriously injured and knocked unconscious in a training jump. Oh! Pronounced dead, he was sent to a mortuary where an attendant noticed a flickering eyelid and saved him by artificial respiration. Get the fuck oh, no, out! This guy is so fucking cool. This guy is so cool. This, I can't this kill one. him. I don't think he can be killed. Toward the end, toward he's still alive. <laughs> towards the end of World War Two, 
Mr. Banwell, Tex, was asked to fill out an army questionnaire. <laughs> One question asked how military training could be improved. Remember, he's been involved in training a lot. He simply wrote... More near-death experiences. He wrote, more street and woodland fighting. Fuck, he's cool. <laughs> That's all he wrote. And then he's... he got a paper cut on the form and died. <laughs> he is the coolest. Uh, Miss... Mr. Banwell Tex, whose highest rank was sergeant, was awarded a British Empire Medal in 1969 for being a super badass. And in 1992, the Netherlands gave him a silver cross for his service to the Dutch Resistance. After the war, he worked for the British Postal Service. Oh, my God. As a postie. But he continued to tempt death in 1984. He made his 1,000th jump at Arnhem on the 40th anniversary of the parachute fuck-up I was talking about. Wow. He went on to jump again, age 77, at the 50th anniversary in 1994. He... I love how he, he wanted more fighting in the war. No, it's crazy. <laughs> but he, he retired to become a post office. A postie. postie. Mate, is... A post office. And he, just... lived to, and he just died uh, of natural causes in 1999. He is he the coolest. Yeah, he's alive. He's, he's, he's out alive. there. So he was the third wow, Monty. what a character. I like him the most. Is he your favourite Monty? Yeah, definitely. All right, rank the Montys. Oh, Tex. The middle one was... Tex. The, the real one. The yeah. real one. And then Nine Finger. Nine no, I mean, Jonesy. Kinda, I, there was something fun about him. Yeah, he was the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> worst, of, worst of a good lot, though. Wow, that's awesome. So that's the story of the three Montys. Dave, that was... Lovely story. Bloody fascinating. Tale of the three Montys. Love it. That was Wait, great. I hope that uh, Joe Boyd, who suggested the World War Two pranks and decoys, specifically the ones that the British pulled on the Nazis, I hope she enjoyed a bit of that. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Uh, thank you so much for your suggestion there, Joe. We man, the hat is exploding it's at the moment. It's brimming. It is. Can man, hardly keep it on my head. It is. Ah, oh, I think you're gonna have to. Get, you'll have to get a Texas textile hat. Yeah. Ten gallon hat. Ten, ten gallon. Ten gallon. Is that even a thing? Ten gallons of suggestions. Twenty ta- talons. Twenty talons. talons. It's just a bird. Twenty felons <laughs> inside a hat. Twenty Jimmy Fallons. Twenty Jimmy. Fallons. <laughs> wow, that's a big hat. Yeah, he's not. We're not saying you're a big guy, Jimmy. No, he's quite 20 tall. He's quite tall. Is he? I think so. Yeah. Oh my god. So the hat's crazy, but we we do appreciate all your suggestions. Uh, they all do go in there, and uh, the way you get those suggestions in there is emailing. Do go on pod at gmail dot com. That's the email. Tweeting us at do go on pod. That's Face- the Twitter. Facebooking at us. That's the Facebook. That's the Facebook. It's uh Facebook. Whatever slash do go on pod, do go on pod, do go on pod, and we're sorry that this one was a little messy, but I had a great time. I had a great time. <laughs> I regret nothing. Yay! We're not sorry. No, we're not. Oh man, I just wish I was a bit more badass. Yeah. When I read about badass, but then also I love my safe life. I really do. Yeah, well, I mean, tax lived till his nineties. Pretty great. Mm. What have you done? Nothing. You haven't lived to your 90s, Dave. Yeah, but, he, but Tex didn't have a podcast, so, you know. Uh, horses yeah. for courses. When you put it like that. Anyway. Yeah, podcasting. Now you're living. <laughs> but, guys, thanks so much for listening. And, uh, yeah, get in contact. We always love to hear from you. And until next week, I will say a goodbye. Bye. Laters. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.